As we've all learned from Shakespeare, all the world's a stage, and our guest has been responsible for some of the most beautiful opera stages in the world. If you're wondering what an opera set designer has to share about creativity, you're really going to love this episode. Hey, how about giving us a clue? Okay, he's an internationally recognized set designer that lives one of the most fascinating creative lives you can imagine. everyone. Hope you've been having a wonderfully creative week. I'm Rod Jones. And as you know, we celebrate what people love to do creatively by giving them a voice. And we share with you how you can live a more creative life. Yes. And I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to Thought Row Podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen. And we focus on sharing with everyone how they can think, be, and live more creatively with their own passion. So, Angie, why don't you tell our listeners who we'll be having as our guest? Okay, our our guest today is Leslie Travers, and he's from the UK, and he's an internationally recognized set designer. He's going to share his creative journey with us today. Another talent from the United Kingdom. Yes. Uh, I know we want to get to the interview pretty quickly, mm-hmm. uh, but how about your quote? Okay, so following up from your opening line, here it goes. We know what we are, but know not what we may be. And that is by William Shakespeare. You know, that's the perfect quote uh, to accompany this interview for sure. It sure is. So, But let's go on to our interview and hear what Leslie Travers has to say about his creative life. Hello, Leslie. Welcome to the Thought Row podcast. And as everybody knows, we celebrate creativity. And you, my friend, are extremely creative, uh, anywhere from set design to millinery and everything in between. So true. Hi, Leslie. It's so good to have you with us today. And we are so excited to hear about your creative journey. It's so good to be with you both. I send you warmest wishes from Northampton in Northern Ireland. And uh, it's just, it's wonderful to meet you both. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise for you as well. And before we start our interview, we always ask our guests what they had for breakfast. And I know for you, this is kind of the end of the day. So you have to think back to breakfast. What did you have? I, I, I had to think about that in, in advance because there's a lot of things that have happened today where it's been pretty busy. Mm-hmm. But I had what is my usual breakfast, which is a, a hard-boiled egg, toast with butter, two cups of tea, and then when I get to my desk and I sit down and I'm about to start work, I have a coffee and that's the day started. But that's my standard breakfast. That's quite the breakfast. That is quite the breakfast. And you have all of the different caffeine, so good for you. Yeah, and the bed. (laughs) It gets you going. Probably too much. Probably too much. But actually, you know, it's... No, it stimulates your brain. I find, you know, I'm a nighttime person, yes, and it just gets me going. You know, I like to sort of fit my work running, so 
um, yeah, the caffeine really helps. Exactly. Let's see. Well, why don't you why don't you tell us where you uh, you're originally from and where you grew up? Yes. Well, I'm from the British Isles. I'm from the UK. So if you if you think about um, the image of of England and Ireland, Scotland, and uh, it's like an old man walking mm-hmm. a dog if you look at them on a map and if scotland is the head of the old man i'm from his nape which is the northeast of england which is uh, often uh called the the kingdom of northumberland so i'm from a really little small a little small uh town in that area called hartlepool um which is a sort of old fishing town um it was uh somewhere that grew exponentially during the Industrial Revolution with steelworks and mining and industry. And when I was growing up there in the 1970s, obviously the world was changing and those industries were in decline. But it's it's an amazing place. It's a very beautiful part of the world. Um, nature there is wild and romantic, both inland and out to sea and uh, I love growing up there. I used to go and stand on the shoreline and sort of dream about where I'd travel and what was on the other side of that incredible uh, stretch of water. But um, um, that, that's that's my roots. Um, I go back every so often and just spend time there and, uh, you know, reconnect. But um, it's a very sort of uh, a place that's incredibly dear to me. It sounds beautiful. It sounds spiritual. And it sounds like a good place for someone to grow up that ends up mm-hmm. being very creative. Mm-hmm. What was your uh, favorite? Was. What was your favorite childhood memory from there? Um, well, apart from trying to stay up um, on Christmas Eve, um, <laughs> and so I could hit, so I could meet Santa. So I, I'd, I'd be listening out for his sleigh bells. And um, the the sound of the who's the reindeer on the, on on the roof. Um, I never ever 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 could stay up that that late. I'd always fall asleep about nine o'clock um, in my terms. I think there was one moment where someone gave me, and I can't remember which aunt or uncle it was, but gave me a wooden box with the slide top, and it had um, quite simple wooden blocks, like sort of triangles and objects for kids to sort of make whatever they wanted and. Um, that was a toy I absolutely loved. And uh, I, I started off just piling things up and then I would look at pictures of things and try and um, build them in my with my wooden blocks. So I remember once making the sort of facade of the Parthenon because it was a postcard that uh, was in the house. So I tried to replicate it. I think that's where possibly um, I started the, the journey of becoming a designer. It's very but, interesting that you say yeah. that because so many uh, boys, maybe more than girls, I don't know that for a fact, but mm-hmm. I had a set of blocks and I had a retro set and all that other sort of thing. And I think that helps you uh, start your abstract thinking and how to put things together, which obviously impacted your career. Yes. So yes. That, that's like yeah, your inspiration. Totally. Totally. It's all these moments that actually are connected when you look back because there's a sort of process going on. It's almost kind of magical, actually, that how, you know, I, I, I think they're kind of random moments, but actually when you add them all together, you can see actually how how I had this sort of pathway in life. It's sort of, and, and I think those things are the things that connected with me. I think, 
you know, within my personality as well. I just love making things. Well, that you know, that's that also changed. a one-on-one kind of creative thing you were doing. Mm-hmm. It was you, your blocks, yes. and your thinking, and then yes. you kept expanding upon it. And what a beautiful thing. It totally is. You know, I, I do have a yes. question for yeah. you, Leslie. Do you, when you are creating yes. your current uh, creations on stage, et cetera, do you, do you still yes. feel the same when you're creating as you did when you did with your blocks? Do you that, that is such innocence? a good question. And that is, I, I, I do because it, it, there's a particular feeling. And I think it's, it's quite close to joy, actually. There's a kind of, tingling excitement because for me it's it's like these these might be blocks but they also represent you know the creation of a kind of world or Mm -hmm. imagining uh uh, some other place or experience it's a way into something and uh and i have exactly the same feeling and i have it now even just talking about it and it just feels like everything else falls away I feel alive and I feel within that moment and I feel it's all about the exploration. I think it must be like sort of people who get on a boat and travel across the sea and the first time you see land in seven weeks. It's, it's, <laughs> yes. it's really, it's a really lovely, it's a really lovely feeling. I have to make things in a very good mood and if I'm happy and buoyant and often the work gives me that actually, which is really, I'm very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, then anything is possible. I can, I, 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 you know, you can achieve so much more than you can when, when, when it's not a good day, when I'm, I'm not sort of feeling so boy. But that feeling from childhood to now is exactly the same. That has not changed. Well, the interesting thing joy. about that, yeah, it's, it's uh, three-dimensional. It's mm-hmm. multi-dimensional, so yes. you're using all of your senses in creating, which obviously yes. carried into your career. Yeah. But what were you going to say? Yes. Right. Well, you know, we've had the opportunity to see some of your visual creations for the stage that you've done most recently. Um, how did you end up pursuing that career? I know that you did the blocks when you were little. Were there things that kind of yes. led you down that path as you grew? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, I mean, I, I sort of, there's one sort of building that was very key in this process, which was my local library. Um, you know, that place where you could uh, go. And I started off in the kids section, which I remember had these lovely little, little soft seats that you sat in and you, there were, there were children's books and, and they're very inventive. And then when I got slightly older, when I was about sort of nine, I sort of, there was a little theatre section just behind that. You could almost reach your arm over the top of the low-level bookcase and pull out those theatre books. And I, um, I, you know, and I was like, oh, I can't use the the grown-up section yet. But they were sort of, I don't know how I gravitated towards them. But there was like a small section of books about that were how you do a play. Mm-hmm. And I remember very specifically diagrams that would show you where, for a fast, where you put the doors, where you put the sofa, how of a view through a window. And and actually, um, although I've never really done work that actually looks like that in any way, what it said to me very clearly was that you could, from very simple means, create the feeling of, oh my God, we're looking at someone's life where they live or the illusion of that, you know, the sort of, and how you could create that as a sort of, uh, as a as a designer. I, at that point, 
I didn't really understand that that was a job for someone to do. I thought maybe it was a collective thing or maybe somehow it just organically happened. When I got slightly older and um, when I was about sort of 12 and at that point I was really passionate about making things and drawing and, you know, working with inks and sort of exploring materials and I also fell in love with acting and performance and the, the, the fact that someone through their voice and the way they stand and could ev evoke a whole world. They could be a king, they could be a they could be whoever, you know, and shake, I fell in love with Shakespeare. And I, I was lucky to a teacher. I was totally shy at school, uh, very shy. And a teacher to help me with my shyness um, made me audition for the National Youth Theatre, which is our sort of national company for young performers. And I thought I wouldn't get in. It was, the audition was terrifying, but somehow I, I got a place and I started performing with them every summer. I, I sort of, I realised at that point that if I was going to be an actor, I'd have to sort of, in some ways, I felt like I'd have to put my pencils and my crowns down. And then when I went there one summer, um, the National Youth Theatre used to have incredible designers who used to come in and design the shows. And I just suddenly saw what they did and I thought, oh, that's so the job for me. And that was it. That was absolutely it. And I used to follow them around asking lots of questions when I should have been learning my lines in the place <laughs> I was in. But I'd sort of, I said, that was it. And I, I never, I never, you know, it was about, I was, I was 15 at that point, 15, 16. And uh, I, that was it. I just knew that's what I wanted to do. You know, um, right place, right time, right person. And, and then being every, tuned in yeah, to yeah, what you yeah, wanted to do. Yeah. And, and, and it was like everything was yes. uh, predestined or preordained yeah. for you to yeah. move in this direction. It feels like that, yes. You know, there's so many facets of the creative projects that you brought to life, and it might be best if you share with us your creative journey. Now, I know you've been sharing how you kind of got there, but that's everything that you learned along the way. At some point, you had to put into practice, and you actually had to have jobs yes. where you got to express yourself. How did that come about? Yes, yes. It's 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 a very that's a very good question because students often ask me how how do I start, and uh, in a way, it's it's um, there's no clear uh, direction of what you what you need to do to make sure the work comes in. You know, jobs are often not advertised. Um, the main thing is that you you have to put a lot of research in and find directors your own age. That's what I did. And write to them. And when they don't write to you, you write to them again and be persistent. I was so persistent. Assistant when I went in my twenties, where I was not, I was very nice, but I kept records of who I'd written to and who I wanted to work with, and I saw things, and if I loved them, I'd, you know, so I sort of, I just kept pushing to sort of try and make something happen, and it's that sort of, um, that persistence eventually sort of paid off, but it was a lot of, a lot of effort, and there were times which were, you know, quite difficult, and I thought, what am I doing? This is crazy, but also I thought well, I love it and this is what I'm going to do and if it's going to be tough for me, then that's going to be my life but I'm not going to stop doing it. But then eventually, um, you know, I think because um, I was open and warm and helpful as a young person and I sort of started off assisting designers and who were amazing and I learned so much from them and I'd, I'd sort of, 
I love the fact that I could make my life easier to create the work and where they could be focused on, more, on having the ideas. And um, I felt it was like an apprenticeship, you know, and I just watched absolutely everything and was involved with everything. And just I got very excited and, and about everything. People remember you when you are um, open and you have a good disposition. Years later, I've got work in the past 10 years of people from people who remember me when I was in my early twenties and how I was. Oh, really? Oh, how that's keen so wonderful. I was and caring. Wow. Um, and I'd walk into difficult situations with a smile on my face. I think that's naivety, but, um, uh, you know, I, I had a, had a, and people took me under their wing, you know, an amazing designer called Yolanda Sonabendi became a lifelong friend, just sort of, she rebuilt me and, uh, made me think about things really seriously and, uh, she was so clever and, and she I felt like I was like an apprentice like uh, her apprentice and sort of uh, eventually we started designing things together which was incredible to do I, that I think and, these uh, people recognized um, your talent absolutely. but probably more importantly I mean it was a fine line between tenacity and being a good guy a good person well, also, and they probably though, picked yes. up on that yes. also though I really get this energy yes. from you Leslie of you've got this childlike uh, I, I, I know you said wonderment and optimism that yes. I think is infectious yes. and people just want to help that along because you don't see that often in people yes. yeah so they're yeah. mentoring you yeah. in, in, a, in such a great way yeah, really. I've tried cynicism, but uh, I can't wear it for very long. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> something comes along and, and sort of fills my mind and imagination, and and that, I, and I'm I'm happy with that. And yeah, and it was it was it was such an interesting time working with, with different designers and, and learning how they sort of dealt with the, the process and how their process was and mm -hmm. actually what was really nice I thought when I was really young I saw designers as superheroes and you'd have to be you know you'd have to have an encyclopedic mind and actually realizing that the humanity of people who do these amazing things and sort of how worried they get and they'd get nervous in presentations and 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 you know I could see hands shaking and you know mm. the worry of budgets and it just sort of humanized the whole thing and actually I thought well you know it's worth having a go I think you know I I, I, I really want to do this job um so wonderful times really actually that and that was the beginning and then if I started off doing small scale things with directors now um, in, uh, you know, in sort of fringe venues where we had very little budget and we'd have to, mm -hmm. you know, sort of um, ask for donations for costumes and um, ask paint shops for free paint. And, but we put things together. Interestingly, a lot of those people, some of those directors now are running buildings, you know, running <laughs> yes. national institutions. Yes. But that's how we started, you know. We, you know, we'd, we'd make things out of nothing and ingenuity. And, and that's how we learn so much with, through having to be economic and make specific choices. Yes. Did you? There are things you, that people said to me that. Yeah. Uh, but, yes. Sorry. I, I'm sorry. I was just going to say when you were working with these various mentors um, and they were teaching yes. you and you were learning a lot from them. Yes. And this might be kind of yeah. an unfair question. But did you ever inside think, <laughs> oh, I could make this so much nicer but you kind of had to follow their direction um 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you'd make it your way. You know, sometimes um, it's interesting. And actually it goes back to Yolanda because, um, you know, you it's very good to know what your limitations are about what you feel through your life experiences. There are things that you like and things that you don't like and things that attract you and things that repel you. And uh, and they might be very different to, and they are very different to the person you might be sat next to. So um, that's a brilliant thing about design. The question might be the same to two people, but the way each of you will answer it will be very different. And there are times where I'd sort of, um, I'd go, I would have done that differently. Right. But it's easy set on the outside when you're not the one creating the whole vision. And it's about the world that they're creating. Yeah, I, I um, refer it, to that you know, as... Sometimes... It, it, yes. I was going to say, I refer to that yes. as after the fact art directing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It would be so easy. It would be so easy. Um, so, but it was interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. And, but also, I was more fascinated and more enamored by how in that sort of difficult situation where someone has all these concerns, budget can come up with a beautiful idea, mm-hmm. you know, that cuts through everything. Well, you have you know, to be and creative. a very good idea. Yeah, you have to be and creative. Evolution. And evolution. But you also the, have to... creativity. But you also have to be on on target. You know, you have to make it all come together. Yeah. You have to orchestrate yeah. it. I mean, yeah. orchestrating yeah. it's a big issue. I Absolutely. don't need to tell you that, Leslie. You so know that true. better. What are we going to ask, yeah. Angie? Well, you know, I speaking too. of orchestration, I know we were talking about your um, yeah. doing staging mm-hmm. uh, earlier, and one of yes. the things that you seem to be greatly noted for is staging operas. And, you know, mm-hmm. it looks like you've yeah. even staged operas here in the U.S. at the Santa Fe Opera House. Um, yeah. Um, give us an yes. idea of the process from developing a concept all the way to opening night. Yeah. Well, the very first thing is, um, the very, very, very first thing is the title of the piece. That's where we start from. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say we, you know, I work collaborative, collaboratively with the director. So... Um, and I work with quite a lot of different directors and, and processes often different depending on how um, I like to work with that other person or how they want to work with me. Yeah. But we'll often start, we'll listen to the piece. Yes, I do a lot of opera. I love music because it sort of, it reaches out at you and it's sort of, it, it's almost like having a, another person who's very boisterous and very informative um, in the room with you. And I find that so quick. I, you know, if I'm doing a play, I, I'll listen to it. It doesn't matter if it's a bad recording. Um, I just, it just brings it more alive. I often find words on a page quite challenging. You know, it reminds me of those difficult moments at school when you have to write those long essays about <laughs> yes. what something meant. Uh, and and I, you lose the emotion of the human being saying it to you. And I was, but music is just, it just reaches out to me and, so the first thing is just to try and listen to it. Shed all the ideas of, well, if you're doing a production, say something like The Magic Flute or The Magic Figaro, you want to sort of shed all the other ways that you've seen it being done many times and find the piece for yourself. Um, I often sort of, um, I'll listen and then I'll start to sort of track the, the, the people in the story and, and just sort of ruminate on where they could be and what will be, Oh, the right place to put them in should the space 
feel comfortable? Should it make them feel vulnerable? Should it sort of change so it moves the story on? And just, I have those thoughts, but right at the beginning with the director, I like to not get too specific about making it a theatrical machine. It's about the story. It's as if someone said to you, oh, to me and to the director, here's two. $200 million, make the film you want, and it, you just go, what, what could we, we can do anything. And because I think to be free at the beginning gives you a kind of a broad landscape. And I think you, my ambition is always to kind of, um, go further than I've been before or to, to I feel challenged the way I make things. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this, we'll get excited and we'll find it because, and I think at the beginning that's such an important part of the process because it's gonna have, your ideas are gonna have to weather so many storms, you know. Yeah, for sure. You know, taking so things true. into a house, getting the house, all the departments interested in what you're doing, for them to execute the work properly. Once it's in budget and it's possible and it's technically okay, um, and you have to hold on to these ideas. It's really interesting. And then you know what's wonderful about opera is it, it has so many layers of involvement um, where, you know, it's just often it's you on your own and then there's two of you and the director, then the line designer, the choreographer, props people become involved. So suddenly the team builds, um, suddenly you're presenting to a whole company um, and going through your idea and often they're watching in silence and they're not like an audience in an opera house. It's like the worst audience you'll ever get. And, uh, and you weather that through and then it's, and then it's, you have to take it apart and, and, and various departments have to make the set, the props and you have to supervise, supervise, you know, bring people along with you, make that. And I think it's really important that I have to enthuse people. I don't want to feel like we're in a production line making just another opera. I'd like it to be personal and personable and that we have a good time and we find something together you know that, you, that and then there's that um, yes i'm just going to say unless it's a, a brilliant answer and i only want to touch on this lightly because i think i witnessed yes. some of this that you've done but is it correct that you make miniatures or models of what you intend on doing or what yes. you hope to execute? Yes. And then is there a, an approval yes. process when you when you create that model? Um, yes. Does everybody stand yeah. around and say, oh, I like this. I'm not so sure about yes. that. Will the people be able to yeah. work within yeah. the confines of the set you've created? Yes. Is that yes. all part of the process? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that used to terrify me when I first started because, of course, you know, I have a personality. I think deep down, I just want to make, I want to make people happy and please people. And, you know, um, I'm not doing this just for myself. And actually, that used to, those comments used to, I find them, you know, because I'm quite shy and them sort of, <gasps> that's, oh, yeah. how do I get over that? Now, I think it's, tell me. They're useful. I either go, no, I don't agree, or absolutely. Someone will say something, you think, actually, that's a very useful uh, thought. And actually, that's that's really think about that. And so that process, and generally, there's people in, those, in that room. They want to make it work. They're not there to destroy it. They want you to produce the best thing you possibly can because it's going in their building. Yeah, sure. So they just want to help you and make sure that you can – um, have what you need and, and it's informative is the word should have got to that quicker but it's informative of how you move things on I, I'm, I have a very open process 
So I share things as soon as possible. If the director's happy that I'm, I'm, I'm showing the ideas around because then people come back with technical issues. By the time we do a first presentation, so that happens in stages, the first presentation is the sketch idea. By that part of the process, usually we've answered a lot of the technical difficulties that could arise. And so we're much further along. And then it's a question of how the house feel about it. And generally, the, the notes about whether they like the work or not have uh, been answered when you earlier on in the process when you've told them about what you're doing. And, and they've generally put their faith in you because they see something that you're going to bring to it. You know, you um, so eloquently, the, yeah. so eloquently yes. presented that. And mm-hmm. um, I have to ask mm-hmm. you this. There's so much that goes into set design, uh, but then uh, yes. a set's stages need actors and singers. What is your role in creating yes. the uh, costumes for them? Um, it's a supportive role, I think, very much. I mean, I, I the best moments in a fitting room for me are when a performer comes in. And it's, you know, often I've done my costume scheme and we've started producing things way before the actors even there in the rehearsal room, way often before they've had time to really think about who their character is. So there's always a kind of tense moment, I think, where somehow... Um, you could, as a designer, could feel too far ahead and it's difficult for them to comprehend. And also, I don't want it to feel like you're putting something on the character that they can't explore. So it's about meeting their process as a performer, as they discover what the character is. It's about meeting at the right pace and walking it together. I mean, the, the, the difference that I have is that um, I'm not going to worry. I've got this overview of what's happening. So they have to fit that character and who they are within the greater scheme of the world that we're creating. Well, one other um, important so it's a very thing, intricate, I, I was just going to say one yes. other very important thing yeah. is when you create a costume, yeah. especially for an opera, the singer has yes. to be able to move yes. and act and perform yes. when they're yeah. wearing that costume. And I think that's something that needs to be taken into consideration, which you obviously do. Absolutely. Totally. Totally. And also, you know, the people I'm working with, you know, the costume supervisor, the costume makers, these are highly skilled people who do this day in, day out right. to such a high degree. And it's all about looking really intensely and seeing if there, there are little tweaks they can make uh, that will improve how the costume feels, how it works, how it moves. You know, we spend a lot of time choosing fabrics that we really make sure the fabric moves in the right way for that character. The best moment for me in a fitting room is where, and I feel quite emotional thinking about this, and because when it happens, it's enough to joy. It's when someone puts something on and they suddenly own it and it's ah, theirs. Oh, nice. And then suddenly you feel, and when the performer says to you, oh my goodness, I found something, I found the character. You've really helped me, and I go. That's a, that's what we're there to do. Oh, how you nice! Know? And that doesn't stop when they. All the time, I'm I'm checking when we have stage rehearsals and costumes are on, and we're checking whether it feels right, it's moving properly, the performer's comfortable. You know, as well as looking at the set and everything that needs attention on that, the costume is it has to be sort of 
really taken care of. Well, the costume, um, along, so, with the, the, along with the actor, uh, the singer, the performer, yes. the costume also has to work with your set, I believe, and it also mm. has to work yes. with the audience. Yes. The audience has to be able to, yes. to uh, totally. embrace it and see it, I yeah. guess. Well, you know, totally. it's, it's, I mean, yes. Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead, Leslie. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, one thing that's a kind of recurrent theme in the work I do is, is how actually, um, a lot of changes from costume in shows that I've done have happened on stage, which is about transformation. It's like, a, like a, uh, like a, the birth of a butterfly or mm-hmm. because it can show you what someone's intent is, you know, that sort of going from rags and putting on military costume to, putting on a gown or it just so sort of says how their emotion their emotion in that that moment in that aria and that that story is, is is changing and how the world is moving on and costumes are very good device for doing helping do that visually well i guess um, they have to change their so, demeanor yeah. right the performer has to change well, their I, demeanor. I, yes i can honestly yes. tell you that when you yeah. see a performance and someone like you are saying leslie totally is owning the costume and the set and they can integrate that into their performance or their opera it's really kind of magical because when the audience walks away which is the most important part when they leave that auditorium or um, stage they have the feeling of of magic for days after and that's that's i think that's where you really shine where, where you when someone leaves that that stage that they really can feel it for days after nicely said yeah i, I love that yeah, yeah. it's beautiful that's that's absolutely that's the best gift is is when someone afterwards has experienced something way beyond what you've created out of wooden screws and bits right. of ribbon and suddenly it sort of opens something in them and, and their imagination is engaged and and it just and they see things that mm-hmm. you know there's um, that that aren't necessarily there literally, but they they, they feel something quite deeply. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best. I think that's that's what we're there for so is for true. that kind of engagement, or even just for someone to just have a nice evening and be transported and forget about worries and sort of and hopefully live in the moment. We do our job properly and we stay in the moment and we work really hard. That. Actually, all the endeavor shouldn't be felt. It should just feel very natural and it should just feel like riveting, exciting storytelling. Absolutely. I like what you just said. It it is a riveting, exciting storytelling where, you know, you're just, you're taking someone and transporting them from their day-to-day yes. life. Yeah. I, yeah, I like that yes. part. I like yeah. what Leslie said about yeah. uh, giving a place for somebody to be secure, comfortable, and relaxed and not dealing with and all taking the... taking them yes. away from their lives. Away from their yeah. lives. The stuff everybody needs do. a break, I <laughs> yes. think. You know, I have a question for you, Leslie. Are oh, you, are you involved yes. in... Yes, Are you involved in the lighting at all in, during the, the stage staging of all this? I Do you help design now? Very close. I work very closely with the lighting designer. Um, I generally have enough on my plate in the in the production to sort of keep me very busy. But um, so my relationship with the lighting designer is crucial. Um, people say lighting designer designers make a break, and it absolutely is. It's got to come through the design. Mm-hmm. It's got to be absolutely within the concept, and it's got to feel 
completely in- integrated. Um, I generally am very close to the line designers I work with. They're, they're sort of, they're, they're like the, um, the person I, I need to spend most time with quite often in the, re- in, in, on, we do stage rehearsals, mm-hmm. but I involve them very early in the process. Even when my ideas are, are like, oh, it could be like this or it could be like that. I just want their feedback. I want to hear how they treat that world. I want their, their work to come in parallel and be very intertwined in what I'm doing. So I don't generally, present the work to line designers late in the project so they have to sort of work around what I've created I think it should be seamless so um, and I'm very um, I'm very opinionated during lighting rehearsals that I sort of I express what the what, what I feel and what my response is but I'm lucky to work with some amazing people who you know, my jaw often drops and I just have to have a quiet moment because I go, it's exactly, it's way beyond. Well, you know, some, some of the sets... into another realm. Yeah, some of the sets that you've designed are kinetic, so there's a lot of movement on the sets. And yes. <laughs> the moving I parts, mean, the moving yes. parts. And uh, lighting a move, something, an object that's moving and still presenting it in the best light, so to speak, that could yes. be uh, yes. kind of tricky. So I can imagine Imagine it's important for you because you built that kinetic set or you understand how it yes. should be interpreted by the audience. Um, I could see that yeah. being a critical aspect of what you do because without lighting, nobody can see what's going on. That's kind of true. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. It, and actually, through, through what seems as very subtle adjustment, can be emotionally completely opposite how you could make a character on stage feel swamped by the world around them and then suddenly through picking them out and producing the light around them suddenly they feel really isolated and sometimes you can absolutely make them the focus of what you should be looking at sometimes stages are very big and if everyone was lit the same, you'd go, perhaps, who's singing? So there's that subtle thing of helping the eye move around. And uh, it's, it's, I suppose it's sort of kind of manipulative, but it's, it's a very clever thing. And I've worked with an amazing line designer called Thomas Harsey, who's American, he lives in Cincinnati, and he's brilliant. And I remember once we lit part of Julie Cesare by Handel, and it was literally someone coming down the staircase. It was four seconds of action, and it took us five hours because oh it had to it had to feel absolutely right and it just took a you know and when we got it right it just um put made the rest of the show so much easier because we it just it was such a pivotal moment it was so much time yeah. it's not animators you know draw for hours and hours and hours just to do a second but they're, 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 it takes a long time a lot of finessing and a lot of going over to get the lights in the right place. Well, sure, because it's, uh, Leslie, it's live action. You know, it's not like shooting a movie where Mm -hmm. you can move the lights and change things. (laughs) And and redo. This is live action. And if somebody's coming down a staircase, you you want them not going into shadows or going into dark, back to light, back to dark. I can imagine that's Mm -hmm. a real challenge. You know, speaking of challenges, what has been your the most challenging aspect of your career to me it all looks very challenging but what would you consider to be the most challenging aspect of your career 
Um, also, that's that, that's yeah, you're right in one sense because it, it what I love about this job is it's full of challenges. Um, I, um, and I, I sort of, I've got, as you said, I've got a sort of quite what I would describe as quite a sunny disposition. I don't, I don't dwell on the difficult stuff. I kind of, I've got enough good stuff going on yeah. to kind of, um, make my life possible and, 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 um, but the most challenging thing, oh, admin, oh, my is my nemesis. Yes, absolutely. Um, I am. I do tidy my studio, but I am not the tidiest person in the world. Everyone around you and me would agree with that. But I do um, actually. So I tidy up when I when I'm shedding something. So when a project's done and it's handed in, I'll, I'll throw. I throw those bits I'm holding, those bits of card that might be useful, and just you know recycle. <laughs> yes. and move on but um yeah admin is admin is the worst one that is that that is the challenge you know but we have to do it in life that's you know and I it's think good all, and, all uh, everybody all. out there listening is going uh yes we <laughs> agree with you leslie a hundred percent i love doing my tax it's so fun yeah. um and i do i love you know it's, i i do you know what i feel like lucky like oh my goodness i do this job that I love doing and I, I, you know, and I pay tax. That's brilliant, isn't it? But it's just the admin side of things. I'm, I'm not a natural administrator. No, I'll be for sure. You know, Angie's got a really interesting question for you, and I'm excited well, I, to hear you know, the answer. I want, I want to know what it's like <laughs> for you um, when you do an opera or any stage performance you've worked on, and the audience is seated. It's opening night, and the curtains going up what goes on in your mind wow it is a lot it is <laughs> yes it is a, a very powerful emotional strange um feeling that i i've never never got used to i mm -hmm. envy people who seem to sort of take on the chin maybe they're you know they're not telling me the truth but i find it very exposing and weird i, I think the first thing is I, I've been at this thing since it was born with this with this this production, and you know it's been sometimes over a period of a number of years, and it's sort of you 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 end the process having spent weeks in the house getting to know everyone, working really closely, spending all your time together, and yeah. suddenly it stops, and then suddenly all these people you don't know when you when you're at the the point in the process where you've given everything, you're at your tiredest, perhaps could be said most vulnerable. And suddenly all these people walk in um, from other experiences and they come and sit down and they're staring at this thing in front of you. And I go, that's sort of torture. <laughs> it's it's really weird. It feels, I sometimes don't watch first nights. I have to be honest. Sometimes I sit backstage and watch the machine of the production happening. Yeah. I did, um, um, Francesca Derimni at La Scala and uh, the opening night I was so nervous you know it's a scary boot house anything can happen right. it's full of stories about their opening nights you know and uh, so but I sat backstage and I, I watched you know because we say oh can that that carriage be brought on at that time and can that piece of scenery move and then you see all the people who are hidden away who make that happen and the instruction and the care and it's it always gets me i go this is just this is the magic for me so i get to see that side of it but also sometimes when i'm watching first nights it's like watching it in slow motion 
It's like nothing's happening. Mm. It's like, will he just open that door? Please, <laughs> please. What's going on? It's just, I think it's because of adrenaline. Oh, um, yeah. You have to, yes, part yes. of the process, you have to, you have to let go of it. I always have a moment before the first night where I, where I might be sat there and there'll be someone singing an aria and it will just, and I'll just, they're kind of, well, I've got my hands on the process and checking things and it will just transport me and I'll fall into the story and I'll just take my, I'll just let go of the piece a little bit. It makes me quite emotional because because it is you have to let go of it. You yeah, have to can, you yeah. have to let it be. It's other it belongs to other people now. If you've done your job properly, that they, they, they'll have something they can tour and tour around the world and it'll be fine. But um, oh, it, fast nights are so strange. They're they're very, very odd. I bet. I bet you know. I when you were just saying um, about how sometimes you get involved in what you're watching mm. and you forget that you basically yes. built all this. Yes. Is that the magic yes. moment when yeah. you, you go, I've done my job because even I am convinced this that is real. That is absolutely, absolutely it. Yeah. Where you just, and it's always, and it's a specific feeling and it's like saying, oh my God, I'm going to cry if I say, but it's like saying goodbye to somebody you love at an airport. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. I put it on that level. Yeah. It's oh, really, I see that. It's oh, that, yeah. you, that rush, you feel the emo- emotion go through you and it's where you sort of, you're, you're done um, and uh, it's its own thing now and it, you need to um, let the people who are there to take care of it and sort of live with it and move it on you know as the actors develop and they'll find new things you know you, what you have if, to sort of, you have to were, go I don't want to interrupt you but um Got to watch our time a little bit, but you know, if it were me, I would just walk across the street to a pub and wait for the reviews to come in the <laughs> yeah, next day. Not watch it, right? Watch it. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I would. There was a, there's a film about Strauss, a very old film, black and white film about Strauss the Waltz King, and uh, a mistress of his leaves him, and she goes off on a boat on the Danube, of course. And she is wearing this amazing black coat, and it's in those days with sort of pin curled hair. And she, she almost emanates light, and she's saying goodbye to him. The relation, the, the affair is over, and singing, of course. But she has this. She's smiling, uh, and she's obviously, you know, someone who can raise joy and bring joy to other by performance. But then a tear just rolls down her eye, mm. and that's so. I find. Yeah, that's the feeling, you know. It's like, wow, we did it. We really did it. Um, but I'm sad it's over and uh, we have to start all again. Yeah. I understand. I could just go on forever. Yeah, I, I have kind of a, <laughs> yeah. a, maybe a little bit more of a personal question. But every successful creative person tries to be original and authentic. But there are times when we all have self-doubt. I know I have. How do you manage to get yeah. through those times, Leslie? I um I, I was born with the gift of self self-doubt. And, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, honestly, you know, I am I um I, um, I don't have that. I was it lack of self-esteem. I've never had. When people say, "Oh, you need lots of confidence," what is that? I know you. T- just need to be able to find a way of, of um, having all those voices. Oh, you can't do that. You're not right to be in this room. Look at these amazing singers. Why are you here? We all have that. I think you just have to sort of push through that and have 
Yeah. All the voices in your head. You know, I you don't. Go. There's a few well, let's more, just see how it goes. There's a few more things that we want to ask you, and, and one that. Yeah. Yeah, I know that, we wanted to talk about with you because when we first talked to you, um, before we had our podcast, you know, yeah. just to get to know each other, we talked about your experience with yeah. COVID nineteen. Yeah. How how did that impact yeah. you in your life with all this going on? Wow. Well. It, you know, sort of two years ago, I think almost it is now, where, where I was at my studio in London working with my two assistants um, and Melissa and, and Nate. And, uh, you know, things were getting bad. I was doing a production of Peter Grimes in Switzerland. That was cancelled. Then I was doing a show at the Young Vic in London. That was cancelled. And I said, look, look guys, that's, you used to work from rem- remotely. Let's just leave the studio. Uh, and and just be safe at home. I'm going to go over to my house in Northern Ireland and stay there for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I arrived here with my husband Richard, and we just both got sick straight away. No, we must have picked it up together. I think probably. Oh no. Um, and uh, it just we we both had the virus pretty badly. Richard ended up in hospital. I probably should have gone in hospital, but I was like a day behind. Tim and um, you know I have a very strong um, inner imaginary life and I sort of persuaded myself I was okay mm-hmm. you know our local vicar used to come and deliver food to me and our, our, lo- our neighbour Donovan who's lovely he's a photographer used to come and look at the door and say please call an ambulance you don't look well and I'd be oh I'm fine mm-hmm. um, but Richard came out of hospital I sort of didn't necessarily get better but it sort of didn't get any worse and Eventually, uh, I, I it was such a slow recovery, like weeks and weeks and weeks. And I remember, you know, not being able to breathe properly for a very long time, for almost a year. Mm. But um, in that, and I got to a point where I just I'd had enough of it. And uh, a, a director who I absolutely love and I work with a lot is a is a director, Sir David Pountney, who's who who was when I was a student was a director I absolutely worship. I could see absolutely everything he did those things. He's amazing. He's still amazing now. And he ran me and we're doing a show for La Scala and uh, he said, Well you oh well, you know, when you feel better, let's start thinking about it. And I just said, Well, um the the, the piece Mephistophele by Bioto was is about God and the devil almost gambling on the fate of humanity and I said well, let's see how it goes. Let's start now. At least it'll give me something to think about. Oh, sure. Yes. I thought, I'm this sort of existentialist moment in my life where people are telling you this thing can seriously damage your health or even worse. Mm. And I felt right on that knife edge of, of something that, and also people didn't quite understand it. So it was so gothic. But weirdly, I think in my sort of slightly altered um, state, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, let's do some work. You know, I feel ready for this piece, you know. And we just sort of, and actually what was very useful was something that occupied my mind, which wasn't just about being ill. Um, as much as I could handle it, he'd, I'd, I'd, he'd sort of see me on Zoom and obviously I'd probably look tired and he'd sort of say, let's have a pause. And um, and I actually, you know, David is very sort of, he's a very caring person beyond you know, just being a colleague, he's he's there for you when things when mm-hmm. you when you need someone, and 
is wonderful. And uh, we just sort of started work like that, and it just sort of the show just came out of those moments. I mean, I, I reckon I had pneumonia. Um, uh, you know, I, you know that that's what they what I've been told actually. So, right. but um, thinking about a project just felt suddenly tra- transported me and put put me back into what I loved, and and it made me think actually. If I get through this, I'm going to carry on doing what I'm doing. And in fact, you know, I'm not saying advising being ill is mm. something, but I took something from that time and put it in the work. You know, it just happened to be the right piece at the right time. Well, it actually so, it, really you know, it, yeah. it, it puts things in perspective, doesn't it? I mean, you all of a sudden you you look at your own health and right. and you're so excited about yes. your career and you've had so many successes and you're and you want to continue that. And then all of a sudden, something yes. that you never could possibly really anticipate impacts yes. all of that energy. You made a con exactly. a, a comment about Handel. Hunt, yeah, Hunt, 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 Hunt. Yeah, yes. yes. Did he? Did I, he, when you listened to his Handel. music, was that very inspirational to you? Handel, Handel is, I think, is phenomenal. I mean, I, I've, I've done a, a couple of his pieces, but and I listen to them all the time. I love his music. I feel like it's the, you know, it, it was written a long time ago, but I think the emotional line of it is absolutely current. And he writes explicitly about the human condition. For and sure. it's a truthful <laughs> way for me. It's it's mind blowing. It's therapy, his music. I have to be very honest about that. I find it uh, it's a way of looking at life that takes some of the sting out of the difficult things and lets you look at them. Mm-hmm. Because you may, even in the difficult, most difficult moment, there's a, there's a line, something beautiful that allows you to, to, to look at those difficult things. So he's a genius. Hey, Leslie, I, I want to, I need a short answer to this. So I'll say it just a few words, you know, two, three, four, five words. Yes. What would be your advice to people that want to live or be more creative? You certainly have lived a creative yes, life, oh my gosh. but what would be your quick, quick advice to them? Do it and do it now. Perfect. That is, yeah, agree. <laughs> agree. We agree. agree 100% yeah, on do that it. one. Don't, don't bring any of the questions into it because that's not go to why you shouldn't just do it. Okay. Okay, good. That's a good answer. Absolutely no question. Okay, now I'm going to ask you a question we ask all of our guests, and that is if you could sit on a park bench and Wonderful. chat with anyone from the past, who would it be, Leslie? Oh, wow. There were so many people, and I can only have one. <laughs> um, wow, who would it be? Oh, I feel like it's someone from the art world. I think someone like Leonardo da Vinci, because I know Leonardo in a bit. It, oh, this is so obvious. Why, I'm not, why have I not said my ultimate answer? It must be Shakespeare. That oh, would make the okay. most sense. Yes, the bard, I can see that. The bard. Oh, my goodness. From Stratford-on-the-Avon. I, mean, I, 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 I would think you had a past life in Stratford-on-the-Avon. Yeah. I can see that. I reckon. I, I, after I've got through the tears, because, I mean, the work is, it's just, it's sublime. But how could one person make all that work? And thank you. I just thank him. I just give him a massive hug. I mean, he'd probably want to get up and run off, but I think <laughs> no, I don't. I don't, I don't what an amazing, amazing gift 
Shakespeare is to the world. It's just, he's just the best Agreed. ever. Agreed. I think you picked the perfect person. You did. And it's so relatable to your to career and, and your life. Yes, entirely. Well, we're, oh, uh, we're, I'm ready to meet him now. I bet you are. Show me where that bench is. <laughs> I think you yeah. have energetically Wonderful. anyway, yeah, so I think you're there already, Leslie. Well, Leslie, I have to yeah, say, both Inchi and I are so glad we had the opportunity to chat with you. Yes. And I have been, been wonderful. you know, I've been following your career and I have to say you are truly an amazingly creative talent. I don't say that lightly, but I've had the opportunity yeah. to see the things that you've created and they are just uh, magnificent. Know, I, I agree with you, Rod. And, and I have been absolutely awestruck at the beautiful, breathtaking work that you do, Leslie. And I, Oh, I, this, you so you're so welcome. And I want to encourage everyone. We have a show guest page on thoughtrowpodcast.com. And I know Leslie's going to share with us some of the stage production photos that he has. Yes. And please, yes. please, everybody stop by and see his show guest page. It's on the, the top. It says show guest. You t click on it. You will go there and you will see the most beautiful, breathtaking stage production. Um, ever so check yeah. him out on social media but definitely check out, check out the website and you'll get all of his links and there we'll, too yeah we'll have all of yeah. his links so so Leslie thank you so much you were just so informative and so inspiring yes thank you Leslie my absolute pleasure it's been so terrific it's so lovely to meet you both it was so lovely to have you thank you thank you I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Also, if you're enjoying our podcast, both Rod and I would really appreciate you buying us a cup of coffee. Just go to thoughtrow.com, scroll down a bit, and you can find that link right on our website on the homepage. It's really easy to do, by the way. Yes, it is. Um, and all the money we receive goes to our production costs. Yep. And primarily because we want to keep our show commercial free and we want to continue to bring you the best quality content with great guests. That's right. Thank you for listening to Thought Row Podcast. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day. <laughs>